text. We're going to begin reading in uh, verse 31. And we'll share a message entitled, Grieving COVID-19. Grieving COVID-19 in Matthew chapter 26. And so uh, make sure you open your Bible up there in Matthew 26, verse 31. Then said Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. And Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto, you, unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Uh, Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. Let's pray together. <clears throat> My Father, I thank you so much for uh, giving us the privilege to be able to gather together via the, the internet, be able to study the word of God. I pray that you'd speak to each of our hearts in a powerful way this morning. We do need to hear from you. And uh, so God, help us to make a sound applications of the word of God. Uh, we don't want to violate scripture, but we do want to look at some passages and make some practical applications into our life. And so give us wisdom and give us uh, the Holy Spirit as our teacher and guide through the word this morning. And God, I would pray there might be someone here this morning listening that has never been saved. Uh, our desire, our heart's desire is that they might be saved. Certainly the Apostle Paul cried out, my brethren, my heart's desire for Israel is that they might be saved. And so God, our, our desire is for people to come to know Christ. And so Holy Spirit of God, speak to people as they're listening now, even bring someone on to pay attention and listen that wasn't planning on watching. And uh, God, we'll just rejoice in the things that you choose to do uh, through us as we try to minister to others. And so bless the preaching of the word of God in Jesus' name, amen. Our text verses, verse 35, Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples, grieving COVID-19. And uh, this uh, through times of great crisis and trials, uh, we go through a grieving process, and certainly Jesus has just revealed to his disciples a major crisis that they're going to face and have to go through in regards to Jesus Christ's crucifixion on the cross. And I was talking with some folks, um, I don't know, this past week, and uh, we were talking about the situations that we're dealing with in our society and our communities and uh, certainly throughout the world and, and I've been viewing different uh, you know um, uh, videos uh, looking at news clips and things like this just tracking things and watching people's temperament and and it hit me when I was talking the other day with someone uh, that our whole country is experiencing the five steps of grief because of this coronavirus. And the Lord just laid on my heart this, this concept of dealing with what does the scripture say? Uh, how do we approach it? What kind of examples can we find in the word of God 
where people have experienced uh, this grieving process and have gone through these five steps in, in the midst of a crisis situation. And immediately my mind came to Peter and the other disciples in the revealing of Christ's crucifixion, uh, how quickly they responded and, uh, and went through this process, uh, really identifying with each of these steps of grief. And it's been, and it was on my heart. I said, "Boy, we're just. I'm watching my whole country, our whole nation, experiencing this and going through it. And so, I want to be an encouragement to you this morning. I want to be a challenge to you, uh, and I want to help us to see that there is hope. Uh, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and the light at the end of the tunnel isn't a train coming at us." But it's the light of the Lord Jesus Christ that's going to show us the way that we are to go. Counselors have identified the five steps of grief as the following. It begins with denial. It moves into anger. It develops into bargaining. It, it experiences depression. And then there's acceptance. Five steps of grieving. As a pastor for the last 35 years, I've certainly seen people go through those steps of grieving, grievances uh, as they would lose a loved one, uh, as they would go through a tragedy in their life, whatever it may have been, a sickness. And uh, certainly these are uh, relevant stages to deal with. And I think in America, we're going through them right now. America has not come to a point of acceptance. And I'm afraid that many Christians have not come to the point of acceptance. And so we need to work through these issues. Now keep your finger in Matthew, but turn back to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. And uh, we want to look at the life of David just for a brief moment and see how he responded uh, in a time of crisis in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And we're going to be looking in a verse 1 and reading through just a few of the verses in reference to this tragedy that David faced in Ziglag. And so 1 Samuel chapter 30 in verse 1, it says, It came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag had smitten Ziglag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives and that were therein, and slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that uh, were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Abinoam and the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. 
And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. And then in verse 9 it says, And so David went. I see David here is uh, experiencing uh, these seven, uh, five steps of grief. Uh, first of all, there's a statement of uh, the state of denial in their life. When they come, they find the city has been destroyed. Their wives and their children has been taken captive. It says in verse 4 that they wept, their voices wept, until they had no power to weep anymore. And so I, I see he just was uh, uh, trying to work through these issues of what took place here. And I don't know about yourself, I mean... Uh, has there ever been a time in your life where something hits you and it's like it just knocks you off your heels and it's just you're trying to get your senses about you to try to figure out what's going on because you can't believe what has happened has happened. And I really believe that David and the men with him are so shocked by Ziglag being burned and their children and their families being taken uh, that they're just weeping. They could do nothing else but weep. So I see that they're in a state of denial. I see in verse 6 that they develop anger uh, because it says David was greatly distressed for the people speak of stoning him. See, he was greatly distressed. He was angry about what was going on. Uh, he, his men that were following him were angry about what was going on, which led them into the next step of bargaining because they were speaking about stoning him. In other words, somebody has to suffer for what happened. Somebody has to uh, answer for what took place. David, we've been following you and we've been doing battle with you and while we've been following you and doing battle with you, our children and our wives have been taken and our homes have been burned. Somebody's got to pay for this. And so they spake of stoning him. Then I see that it leads into depression. Because in verse 6 it tells us that David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And so he was depressed, he was discouraged because the men who were faithful Warriors alongside of him now have turned on him. And it's just interesting that when someone goes through a time of grief, how quickly their depression will cause them to turn against the one that loves them or is supporting them. And so he's depressed, and he only has one person to turn to, and that person is his God. He encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And as a result of that, he was able to come to the stage of acceptance. Because in verse 7, David calls for the priest to bring the ephod because he wanted to pray to his God and pursue God to find out what he must do or what, how he should respond. And God tells him, pursue after this group of people that have taken your family captive because I'm going to give them in your hands. And so it says, so David went. So he accepted the situation with the guidance of God to know how to resolve the situation. And when we talk about denial, it's, it's really looking at 
the life or the situation and not being in uh, disbelief that is not taking place. And then when the reality that it is taking place overwhelms us, we become angry with everyone that is around us. We become angry with God. We become angry with our, our family. We become angry with ourselves. Uh, then all of a sudden we think that we can manipulate and figure out the situation. And all reality man, is beyond man's control and man cannot figure it out. And so he gets depressed. He becomes discouraged because he sees no hope. But it's not until we turn unto our God that we can experience real acceptance about where we are, what needs to be done, and how can we resolve this in a positive way. And so we see that it took place in the life of the disciples. It took place in the life of David and his men that were following him. And so we're back in Matthew chapter 26. We're going to look at a few verses here, Matthew chapter 26. And we're just going to walk through these uh, passages here that deal with the disciples in this crisis situation of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Notice in verse chapter, chapter Matthew 26 and verse 35, Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. And then when you read, get on down through the chapter as they're in the Garden of Gethsemane in verse 45, says, Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now, take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed in the hands of sinners. So the disciples in chapter 26, verse 31 through 46, are living in the realm of denial. Jesus has revealed that, wait a minute, this is what's going to take place. You're all going to be scattered. Oh, no, we're not going to, we're not going to be scattered. We love you. We're going to be sticking with you, Lord. Uh, Peter, oh, listen, if I got to die with you, I'm going to die with you. No, I, I know you're telling us you're going to die. You're going to suffer many things. You're going to hang on the cross. But I don't believe that's going to take place. I don't think that's going to happen. Matter of fact, you're telling me, Peter, that I'm going to deny you. Lord, I'll die with you. Complete, absolute denial of the crisis that has been revealed. And so oftentimes what we do is we allow ourselves to fall in that trap of denial uh, in reference to tragedies and certainly in this matter of COVID-19. Uh, you know, it's interesting to watch over the last two months, or I should say maybe three or four months, going if we go back into, Jan into January, uh, beginning in February, uh, this whole concept of denial I've heard people, I've watched news clips, I've heard individuals stated that this whole thing of COVID-19 is overblown. I've heard um, the media act like uh, foolish people and demonstrate an act of being in a circus. You read, you read one report, it states one thing, you read another report, it states another thing. Uh, denial. Well, this is not going to happen. This is not going to happen to us. This is in another country. I mean, I could stand here for the next hour and go through all the list of statements of denial of COVID-19, but yet we still have all these deaths. Was it 70,000, I think it is now, deaths in the United States. And so the, the point of denial is gone. It's beyond. We're, that's a mute subject, but you understand this whole thing began 
and why people are struggling so hard right now with it is because it began with denial. Uh, it's, it, it, you know, it, we, people have said it's the same thing as the flu. Uh, people get the flu every year. That's true. And they said the average amount of people that die of the flu is somewhere between 30,000 and 70,000 people a year. There's a lot of people that die because of the flu. But the flu, in comparison, is not like COVID-19. And we try, we try to compare apples to oranges oftentimes. And the reason why we try to compare apples to oranges is because we live in a state of denial because we don't want to deal with the crisis. And if we're not willing to deal with the crisis, it just gets worse and worse and develops deeper and deeper fear. And that's where we are right now. I've heard people say, well, you know, I'm not an old man. I used to say that. I can't say that anymore. I was shocked when they came out with the things and said, well, if you're uh, 65 and older, uh, you should stay home. And I thought, oh, man, I'm in trouble. I'm in that classification. Uh, they say, well, I'm not that old. Now, oftentimes people say, well, I, I'm not, my immune system is not compromised. Uh, people make statements in reference to the fact that I don't, I'm, I'm not very susceptible to different sicknesses and ailments, so I'll be fine. It's not going to affect me, but the reality is everybody, everybody is susceptible to getting this virus. Everybody is. Now, praise God, you, if you, you, you uh, live your life, you practice a, a, a different a good hygienic types of things to protect yourself and not be foolish, uh, yeah, you, you don't have to, your, your chances of getting it goes down. But the reality is every one of us could get it. No, 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 that, you're living in denial. And if you're living in denial, you're not going to do what is necessary to protect yourself and to protect others. So denial. I think we are still somewhat in a state of denial, but I'll tell you, our country has moved into the next state, which is anger. Notice in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 74, uh, Paul says, Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man, and immediately the cock crew. Now, Jesus had warned them before the Garden of Gethsemane, this is what's going to take place. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, suffer many things. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to die on the cross. They denied the reality that they would be scattered. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane talking with God and interceding uh, for us and literally uh, surrendering himself to the will of God to suffer such a reproach and such a death. And his disciples are not praying. And I think part of it is they're in a position of denial. Because, if we, listen, Christians, if we really believe what we say we believe, there would be no rejecting or commitment to praying. Because I'm going to tell you, if God doesn't do something, we're in major trouble. So they're in a state of denial when they're in the Garden of Gethsemane with Christ. And now Jesus has been betrayed, he has been taken, and he is being interrogated and questioned. And Peter, as he's standing outside of the judgment hall three times, he says, I know not what thou sayest. He says, I do not know the man and he says, I know not the man and the cock crew. 
And what was the response of Peter? He's cursing the man of God. The one who's going to be the one who's going to stand up on the day of Pentecost and preach great message of power and grace and people will be saved. This Peter is angry because what is taking place in his life is exactly what Christ had told him and he denied it. I was talking to someone the other day and they were telling me about people um, are lashing out at their doctors and at their nurses because they have COVID-19. Realize this, your doctor or your nurse did not give this to you. Your doctor and your nurse are there to help you. We have people lashing out in all kinds of ways. A person uh, who is angry will be angry towards their health care providers due to the loss of her loved one. Uh, people are angry right now towards teachers regarding e-learning challenges. I thought it was interesting. Of course, we have our Christian school, and we provided a way for the kids to continue through video classes and things like that. We have people that have our kids in our school that love us and are so excited, think we've done the best that we can possibly do, and are rejoicing what we've done to be a help to them, and yet we have others who think we're the worst thing that happened. What's wrong? How can we have two different opinions? Elijah said, how long halt you between two opinions? If God be God, then worship him. If Baal be God, then worship him. What, what, why do people fall into that trap? Because grief, grief of COVID-19 has brought you from a point of denial to where now your emotions are out of control, where you've got to be mad at somebody. Because it's got to be somebody's fault. Many will get angry because of uh, being at home too much time with their loved ones. And their anger flows out at their family members. I just saw a news clip this morning. Early this morning was stating that right now domestic, I'm sorry, spousal abuse is skyrocketing right now. Why would that happen? Because people are getting angry because they're dealing with a situation that they cannot control. And because we will not acknowledge that we are in a crisis situation, we have moved from uh, denial to anger. I read an article in the Washington Post that said this, because of many of us are at home all the time, we need to be especially weary of taking out anger on family members, since those are likely the ones we must see the most. We can gain awareness, and when we may be displacing anger, such as snapping at a child for acting out, while we're on our um, work call or yelling at our partner for extra vigor for not taking the garbage out, all these different things that should not create friction or be a problem in the home are being acted out right now. And why is that? Because we're grieving COVID-19. We have moved from denial into anger. There's those that are blaming, this is all China's fault. Well, I kind of hold to that myself, but if they had quarantined earlier, 
You know, you can't change the ifs of the past. You got to deal with the, the conscious efforts in the present. There's those that say it's the president's fault. Now, I, I got one question for you. How can the president of the United States be the one, I don't care who's the president, but how can the president of the United States be personally responsible for your sickness? He has no direct contact with you. He has no direct involvement with you. He has no direct guiding or counseling you. So how can, how can he be the one that's at fault? I don't agree with different governors, their decisions. I certainly don't agree with Governor Murphy with some of the decisions he has made for our country. But I can tell you this, this is not his fault. And if all we're going to do is allow denial bring us into a place of blame and anger, I don't care what the governor says. I don't care what my state does. I'm different people say, "Well, I'm just I'm not going to shelter in place. I'm not I'm going to work today or they can forget it. I'm going to do what I want to do." Wait a minute. It's not their fault. So you got to get out of the anger. Peter needed to get out of the anger so that he could get this situation resolved and be able to deal with this crisis situation in the proper way. And so denial takes us to anger, then it takes us to bargaining. Look at Matthew chapter 26 and verse 70. Matthew chapter uh, 26 and verse 70 says, And he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. Then in verse 72, he says, again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. Then in verse 74, then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man, and immediately the cock crew. And so bargaining, basically Peter is trying to reason with the crowd of why they should not be, why they should not be questioning him. And this is what happens. We allow ourselves to fall into a state of bargaining and we try to make deals with people. And the sad thing is that's not going to solve anything. It's okay to spend time with others as long as they wash their hands and uh, before they see me. That's what we often do. We'll make, try to make a deal. Okay, well, we can, we, we can work through this thing. We just got to do certain things and we'll be all right. Uh, I remember back uh, in uh, April, people were saying, this will be all over by Easter. <laughs> uh, we're way past Easter, folks. I'll be safe until then. Then we'll go back to normal. Uh, you know, the, the, the meaning of normal is changing. All the politicians are talking about the new normal. I'm going to address that in a minute. But I'm not looking for a new normal. I'm looking to go back to normal. I'm not looking for a new normal where everything is, is completely different in how we live our life as free people. Uh, and But yet people are bargaining 
I'll be okay. We can, I'll deal with the new normal if you keep me safe. I'll deal with the new normal if you'll provide for me. See, this bargaining that takes place to try to get through, that's why somebody will be sick and, and, and they'll try to make deals with God. You know, as they say, there, there's, you don't find a heathen in a foxhole. And the reason why they say that, because of the fact when in the time of battle and the soldier's in the foxhole and he's being shot at, he makes some deals with God. You get me through this and I'll serve you all the days of my life. Then they get through and they don't do anything for God. So that why, why would they do that? Because they, they're in a state of bargaining. They're trying to figure out how to solve the problem. And I believe that's where we're watching America. That's where we're at. We're somewhere between anger and the next one, which is depression. Because everybody's got some kind of angle or some kind of deal that they want to try to work out. And as a result of it, we're falling into depression. In Matthew 26 and verse 75, Jesus, I mean, talk about Peter as he denies the Lord. Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which he said before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and he wept bitterly. I'm telling you, Peter went to a state of depression when that cock crew. He had already been through denial. He's already been through anger. He's already been through the bargaining process. He has nothing left but to weep and to cry out before God. Weeping may be endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And when we deal with crisis situations, there is that point where we come to the place of weeping in a state of depression and discouragement. And the only thing that's going to bring us out of it is the joy in the morning with the Lord. And so depression. Uh, despair and depression occur when reality fully sets in. And there's no more room for denial. There are some people that are completely stressed out and distressed because of what's going on. There are people that are scared to death to go out of their house. The media has created such an environment of fear that has driven people into great depths of depression. And despair comes on us when we know that, wait a minute, I can't deny it. But this, this, is, this is a reality. This is upon us. And for several months, many people denied the, that this was going to take place. Many people denied that we would experience the amount of deaths that we have uh, in the United States. But it came to pass. It has come out, and yes, it is true, these deaths have taken place. And so as a result of it, there's no bargaining, there's no manipulation that we can do to try to change the circumstances. And so now we've just become a depressed people. They said suicide rates are skyrocketing. You know, during the Great Depression, during the time when the stock markets fell and all that took place, many people committed suicide. They denied the reality of what was going on. They denied what was going to be taking place. All the warnings and everything else they ignored. And, when and so they went from denial to anger to manipulation or to try to uh, maintain whatever. And they, when everything fell apart, 
when reality was evident that you cannot deny what was taking place, they took their life. The sad thing is we're dealing with that now. There's a sense of hopelessness. I have people ask about our church. I have people ask about our Christian school. I have talked with people in reference to uh, uh, dealing with, they have family members who have gotten uh, COVID-19 and have died. And there's a sense of hopelessness. And, And I just want to encourage you that it's normal to feel that way. But it's not normal to stay that way. It's a feeling that you are completely, fully lost. We begin to engage in self-pity. That's why people are looking to the government to support them. All these stimulus checks and all this, that, and the other. I understand that people need help and need support. It's wonderful to be able to do that. But I can tell you this, the government cannot save you. The government cannot deliver you. Uh, they had, the government has no money but what it takes from the people. And if they take the money from you to give you money, they're going to come to get the money also back. But people fall in a place of dis- despair, in a place of uh, self-pity. Uh, I can't go to work. I can't earn money. So pretty soon I'm going to be broke and I'm going to be homeless. And listen, I, I went to Bible college when, in Michigan when Michigan's unemployment rate was 17%. I know what it is to go get a job, to offer, go fill out a job application and have the people at the place you're filling the job application out or wanting to fill one out laugh at your face. And yell at you to get out of here. We don't have any work here. We don't have any jobs here. We have 5,000 people laid off. I know what it is not to have a job. I know what it is not to have money. I know what it is not to have food on the table. I know what it is to have to trust God to provide for us. I'm just saying this. Don't allow the epidemic to drive you to a point of depression. You may be discouraged, you may feel defeated, you may be without hope right now, but I know this, you need to set your hope in God because he's the one that's going to get us through. It's not going to be the politician and the government. Oftentimes people say, I've lost everything, I have to say goodbye to my hopes and my dreams. I'm afraid because I'm high risk. I may have immune problems or whatever. I'm afraid I might get COVID-19 and then won't let anybody visit me and I may die alone. I think one of the great tragedies is COVID-19 is the amount of people that have had to die by themselves. I've been with many people when they've gone to heaven. I was with my mom and dad. My dad was with them when he left this life and went into heaven. I was with my mom the night before she went to heaven. Now I'm going to tell you one thing right now. It, I just it's it's a horrible thought that there are literally people that have died and they haven't been allowed to have their family members or anyone to be in there with them. Depression. So I don't understand why I'm feeling this way. I'll tell you why you're feeling this way. You're going through the stages of grief. And it's the stages of grief because of COVID-19. It's not stages of grief because of any individual. 
or any government or any movement, it's because of a virus that has hit this world and is taking people's lives. Depression. Well, Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28 and verse 18. So we go from denial to anger. And from anger, we go into bargaining. And from bargaining, we fall into depression. And then we come to acceptance. In other words, there's got to be a place where a decision is made. We're going ahead. Matthew chapter 28 in verse 18 Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. You realize how important that statement is? Because he just died on the cross in fulfillment of the prophecy that he would become the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. You realize how important it is for his disciples to understand he has all power in heaven and in earth because they just saw the powers to be take their Savior and crucify him. But he arose out of the grave, says, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost. What's he doing? He's telling them you need to accept what just took place and move on. You have to accept what took place and get it and move ahead. And so acceptance occurs when we finally acknowledge and surrender to the facts. Whatever those facts happen to be. So find out someone or some information media that you can trust that is going to be honest. I don't need anybody to sugarcoat anything. I don't need someone to say, or oh, everything's okay when it's not. Well, I can't stand going to doctors. I'm glad I don't have to go to the doctor as much. But you go to the doctor and they say, well, you got this or whatever. It may be wrong. And you say, okay, well, be honest with me. Oh, no, everything will be okay. No, knock it off. Just tell me what is wrong. Why? Because I can't come to the point of acceptance in the crisis I am in if I don't have the facts to know what I have to deal with. I can't control the pandemic. But I can do my part by sheltering place, washing my hands, staying positive, keeping my distance, whatever it is. There are things I can do. I cannot change the outcome as far as directly involved in what's going on in people's lives. But I can make a difference in the world that I live in. But I won't make that difference if I don't come to a point of acceptance. The fact that I can't leave my house doesn't mean my life has to stop. I can work from home. I don't have to be dis disconnected from my friends and family. My goodness, in the days that we live in, the, the ability to connect with people is so powerful. I, if you had asked me six months ago if, if I would be okay with preaching uh, through live stream on, on Facebook, uh, in the church, I'd tell you, no way am I going to do that. Matter of fact, we've been talking about possibly doing live stream in our church for months and months and months now. And I'm like, ah, that's right, I don't need to do that. But what I've been doing for the last two months is what? Doing live stream. Praise God for it. The world is going to change. I don't like to change. 
I was a teenager. I grew up in the 60s. And I'm going to tell you one thing right now. Life was a whole lot simpler back in the 60s with all the problems we had going on. All the problems we had going on, it was a whole lot simpler. And government was a whole lot less controlling. But the reality is things have changed. And if I'm going to get out of depression and I'm going to get over discouragement and I'm going to get beyond the stages of grief over this COVID-19, I've got to make a decision that, hey, I'm going to get up and I'm going to move ahead. I'm going to go on with my life. Politicians are talking about the new normal. Uh, they're talking about continuing the restrictions. Uh, they're continuing to really impress on people to live in fear. And I, I just really feel it's time for we as people of the United States of America to embrace our Constitution and stand up for our rights as individuals to be free people. The government does not control us. And when they control us and they violate the First Amendment of the Constitution, their decisions are unconstitutional. And it's time for us to get up and start moving again. Acceptance. We are going to have viruses in the future. You're not going to shut that down. And so you better learn how to live with it and how to deal with it and how to function in light of it because you can't shut down the whole country uh, for the purpose of being afraid that you might get sick. Listen, listen to this. My mother-in-law was born in 1909. Now, I just, want, I just highlighted a few things that she lived through. She was born in 1909. In 1914, World War I started. She was six years old. In 1929 was the Great Depression. She was 20 years old. In stock markets, everything fell apart, the Depression. She was 20 years old. 1939, World War II began, she was 30 years old. In 1950, the Korean War began, she was 41 years old. In 1955, Vietnam War began, she was 46 years old. The following year when she was 47 is when Joanne was born. In 1990, there was the Gulf War, she was 81 years old. I think she went to heaven when she was around 90 or 91 or something like that. I forget what age she is. My wife will probably beat me up for that, but it's all right. Do you see the, the crisis situations that she lived through in her 90 years of life on this earth? And I don't know a stronger woman. I mean, she took care of her family. She worked hard. She worked several jobs. Uh, she did not allow the crisis situations that was going on in the world that she lived in to cause her to stop functioning and stop living in accordance with her freedoms and rights that she has as, an Amer as a, a citizen of the United States of America. And we have allowed ourselves to be entrapped in this snare 
of living in fear because of a crisis situation that's going to come to pass. Matter of fact, it is right now. But yes, around the corner is another one coming. I was born in 1952. A lot of things I watch happen over the last 68 years. But I have never, listen, I have never, I have never seen the people of the United States bend their knee and bow down and be destroyed by the crises they've had to go through. And I believe with all my heart that we need to stand up for ourselves. We need to take control of our lives. I don't need the government to tell me what to do. I don't need the government to provide for my needs. I just want to live my life in accordance with the will of God and the plan of God for my life. We do need to pay our bills. So that needs, means we need to get back to work. I'm sure there's no politicians listening to me, but if I, you are listening to me, I'll just say this to you politicians. Take the yoke off of the American people and let them go back to work. If somebody can go to work at a job down the street here, then somebody else can go to work at a job over on the other street. Let me say this. Worship is necessary. So we must plan to open the church. And church members, let me encourage you with this. I have a three-phase plan for opening the church. And I'll be revealing that to you this week. I'll be sending information out to you to let you know what we're going to do. This is the church of Jesus Christ. It is not the church of the state of New Jersey or the, church of the United States of America. This is the church of Jesus Christ. And the government has no dictates over the church. And I think you need to learn that once again. Freedom is real. Government needs to back off, and we need to take care of ourselves. So, well, how's that going to happen? Let's get over the steps of grief. The problem, America, we have been grieving COVID-19. We've gone through the denial. We've gone through the anger. We've gone through the bargaining. We're going through the depression. Let's get into acceptance to know that God can move us ahead. Well, what happened in Peter's life? We'll close with this. In Acts chapter 2, we see after he was challenged by Jesus to accept the world in which he has lived and the crisis that is over. In Acts chapter 2, in verse 14, says, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Galilee, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as so ye suppose, seeing that it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Preachers, let me challenge you this. Stand up and preach the prophecies of God. Stand up and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Listen, Peter could go through a great crisis and go through the steps of grief as he dealt with his situation of Christ being crucified, then bless God, we can rise up and start preaching the word of God and start reclaiming the freedoms that we have. See, I don't understand what's going on in America. The Lord hit me with this. America is grieving the consequences of COVID-19. We're discouraged, we're depressed, so many people are down. But I'm going to tell you, let's move into acceptance. Because God has a mandate for us. And it is God who's going to give us the victory and give us the strength to go on. Then someday when you're old and your grandchildren come and talk to you, you can say, yeah, I remember all the way back there in 2020, we went through that COVID 19 virus thing. I don't remember all the details, but I mean, it was a challenge, but God got us through. You know, one day you'll be the old timer, reminiscing about the things that God delivered you through in the old days. And I know God's going to get us through this. If you've been listening this morning, you're not sure you're saved. The greatest thing you can do is stop denying God and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you're a believer in Christ, you have been born again, you are saved. The greatest thing that you can do if you can't deal with the reports that you're hearing that's driving you into a point of depression and discouragement, a turn them off and open up the word of God and trust the living God that he's going to see you through and enter into the realm of acceptance so you can get on with your life. I believe Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And I believe that if God be for us, who can stand against us? And I believe I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Rise up, O people of God. Rise up and stand in reference to the freedoms that we have in Jesus Christ. Rise up and be a testimony of the grace of God that not only saves us, but it keeps us, secures us, and enables us to find victory upon victory upon victory every day. I know God is for us. And so let's worship and praise and bless his name. Let's pray. My Father, I come to you. I thank you so much, God, for grace. It's an alarming thought to think that there's so many people that have not experienced the grace of God, have never been saved. I pray that if they're listening right now, Lord, that you would touch their heart, they might be born again. I pray for every believer that they might see our hope is in the Lord. That's where we find our refuge. That's where we find our safety. That's where we experience our strength. And so, Lord, give us courage to walk with the living God. Bless this preaching. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.